Welcome to the Shaman Jessica podcast where I share all about my work as a shaman. These episodes are purely based on my own experiences and perspectives and never a substitute for medical advice. Let's begin our journey. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of... Hi, beautiful listeners. Welcome to another episode of the podcast in which we're going to be talking about the spirit of pharmacaea. You can see this as a follow-up episode in the series of how spirituality is used against us. This is a question that I have been asked to talk about, and I've done a number of episodes approaching answering this question from different perspectives, different themes. You can also see this as a more in-depth follow-up to the episodes that I did that you requested about, let's call it the jab. I want to start by saying that this can be a highly triggering episode for a lot of you. And when we're talking about medicine, know that many treatments have a time and a place and can be very helpful. And the purpose here on the podcast is just to share information. And if you're currently on drugs, don't go off them. That is something that you need to sort out with your physician. So talk to your doctor before you do anything. And again, this episode is just meant to be informative and share my perspective on the spirit of pharmacaea as a shaman. Well, let's start by talking about allopathic versus homeopathic medicine. Well, allopathic medicine treats essentially just a symptom of one part of the body and homeopathy cures the cause in all of the body. So the mental spiritual and emotional body. So when we're talking about medicine, and especially from the field of consciousness, energy, spirituality, that distinction is very good to keep in mind. So when you're talking about Western medicine, for example, you're talking about an allopathic approach. When you're talking about Chinese medicine, Eastern medicine in general, or homeopathy, you are talking about homeopathic medicine. Well, according to the PDR, so that's the physician's desk reference, every single drug is lethal in a certain dose. So being potentially deadly is actually a condition or a prerequisite to drug, to being a drug, being labeled a drug. And this is really important to think about because In shamanism, we navigate the world of polarity in energy. So we always need to keep in mind if we are making life-affirming or death-affirming choices. Especially because a lot of these medicines are synthetic versions of what already exists in nature. And what exists in nature is just as powerful, but not deadly, because these natural medicines are actually made by the same intelligence that made you and I. Therefore, it can fit into your system physically, mentally, emotionally, energetically. And that's, for example, how homeopathy works. But the issue with natural medicine is that you can't patent it, which means that it's harder to make money off of. Well, when we get into the word pharmacaea you'll probably already recognize the word pharmacy in there so that is the etymological origin of the word pharmacy 
But when we look very far back in history, so to the 8th century BC and further, the word actually means sorcery, witchcraft, and enchantment. So the noun, pharmacon, it means poison. And the correlation between, let's say, medicine now and poison is that sorcerers, in addition to do, if you don't think sorcery is real, by the way, then I think it would be helpful to maybe go back to my episodes about the one about Luciferianism versus Satanism, for example. Um, but the correlation is that sorcerers, in addition to doing magic, which is just working with energy, so pulling from the energetic shamanic realm into this physical 3D realm in this reality, so whether you want to call that witchcraft or metaphysical practices or rituals or ceremony, things that we're doing unconsciously or consciously all the time, which I am doing consciously in my work all the time, you can use these practices for good or bad, right? But in the case of pharmakeia, sorcerers, in addition to doing magic, also used or use drugs to poison people. Pharmakeia is representing the spirits behind drugs and behind drug companies. So if we call the entire dark operation, so what represents the dark, so the opposite of the light in this world and how it manifests in this world, if we call that Babylon, which it's historically called, it includes all of its institutions that have a very big role in pulling these energies into this 3D realm. So all of these institutions can be politics, um, economies, academia, um, and medicine. And then pharmakeia is its medical operation. So the energetic representative or principality almost of the medical part of Babylon. And of course, we need to understand this within the context of the 8th century BC, when we like to see the time as more archaic compared to where we are now. But we also need to realize that back then, people were a lot more connected to nature and spirit than we are now, and they understood it a lot better. And it is very clearly connected to the occult, pharmakeia. So according to the Jewish mindset or perspective, if you are interested in biblical references, you can find this in 1 Enoch 7.1. It says the rebellious sons of God took upon human wives in Genesis 6, taught humans charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. So... Therefore, this very popular Jewish book, so our own Bible even references that at times, or with our own Bible, I'm just going to say like the accepted popular Bible, it shows us that the Jews didn't think drug use and sorcery were created out of nowhere, but they were actually taught to people on this earth by fallen spiritual beings. And that then in the Bible... I'm, by the way, not Christian, but I think that these sources 
if anything, are very important historical sources. There are all the more reason for God to not agree with those kinds of practices. Well, that's just good to keep in mind. They also say that, you know, they taught women how to wear makeup and that kind of thing, and I wear makeup. So it's something that we need to uh, read in its own historical context and take from that what resonates and leave the rest. Well, the first pharmacist, or the first, let's say, known pharmacist, was Paracelsus, and he was an alchemist in the Middle Ages. And he posed, or he suggested, to heal people with mercury, which is a known deadly poison. But here we can kind of see the same principle as is used in chemotherapy. So I told you that this was going to be a highly triggering episode. The plan or the aim or hope here is to give the person, the patient, just enough to kill the disease, but not enough to, inkill, to kill the entire person. But very often, as is the case with chemo as well, the person actually dies from the quote-unquote cure or medicine. And with a lot of these practices, you know, people don't know the people that administer them, the doctors, they're not really aware of even, you know, the origins of these quote-unquote cures and with their trust and, of course, best intentions, but also lack of discernment, a lot of these practices allow the spirit of pharmacia to be served and to become stronger instead of the patient. And I do want to say I don't think all drugs cause entity attachments, Many medicines have their place, and especially in emergencies, they have certainly helped me. So, for example, the last couple of weeks, I have a misalignment going on in my jaw, which was causing me to have some headaches, and I couldn't see my dentist. So, um, I actually didn't even think about journeying for it, but I avoided taking paracetamol for a couple of days, and then I kind of weighed out you know, the cost of taking drugs or having headaches all day. So I started taking paracetamol. And I don't think that that's going to cause an entity attachment for me or anything like that. It's also very much how medicines are used. But when I look back at my own medical history, medicine has also really hurt me. So I don't think that all drugs cause entity attachment. It really depends on what you're taking and in what situation, if it's an emergency or if it's long-term, if there's an addiction involved, etc., right? You can very much feel into the energy of the situation case by case. So eventually, we as a people need to become more aware of the strong connection between drug use and spiritual pursuit. And that connection, I think most people aren't really aware of. So... Attachments comes especially through the things that we put in our body, so through alcohol, which are called spirits, through drugs, but also through sex, which are very clear examples. But many foods also have a lot of toxins that actually have the same effects as drugs, and they work in the same way. And the issue with all of these examples that I mentioned is what they have in common is that they are very normalized. And they are also very much pushed by the mainstream media as part of a desirable lifestyle. 
And also spiritual or very much seeking people with the best intentions are also misusing drugs to achieve spiritual experiences. And yes, you can absolutely, with plant medicine, have spiritual experiences, but you need to ask yourself, what spirits are you having encounters with? And I mentioned addictions when talking about how we use drugs. And addictions work very similar to the way that spirits do, which is that you need more and more to maintain the same effect. It's kind of this Faustian bargain. So you're always going to need more and more. It's very much the same way that spirits work because it attracts spirits and they become a part of this dynamic. So this is also why when you have illnesses, you will notice that when you've had an illness, you probably had several at the same time because illnesses create more illnesses. Health, healthy choices create more health. Energy is always very much exponential in this way. And you can take medication, but in a perfect system, your, which is your body, which is so intelligent that even the most successful and intelligent and respected doctors and physicians don't even know exactly how our bodies work. So you can take medication and put them into that system, but it's kind of like you knock over one domino in that perfect system and then others start to fall as well. So the thing with drugs is that sometimes the drug that you take blocks the function of a neurotransmitter receptor. So you have neurotransmitters in your brain. They have receptors. That's how they communicate with each other. And very often a drug's purpose is to block that receptor or downregulate it. So the mechanisms by which these drugs work is that the body often naturally responds to kind of mitigate the effect of these drugs, which leads to a desensitization of these receptors. So essentially you are messing with the receptors in your brain, the, the let's say just the little buttons of these neurotransmitters that communicate with each other, that make all of these very intelligent processes um, flow and allow them to work. So the drugs, they desensitize them so that they become less responsive, less effective. And this is kind of a scientific explanation for what is in my view also a spiritual effect where your being is kind of co-opted by these synthetic and artificial substances. And it actually very much affects how your brain works. That's why often... People's personalities will change when they go on antidepressants. And by the way, about antidepressants, you know, in some cases, they absolutely save lives. I personally, when I have had, I've dealt with recurring depression for about 20 years, uh, up until I want to say like seven years ago, or let's be fair, like, let's say like five or six years ago. And... I never, I'm so happy that I never went on antidepressants because it just didn't feel right for me to do. If it feels right for you, 
definitely, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, that's something that you need to talk about with your physician. But also know that placebos actually outperform antidepressants. Interesting, right? Well, when we go back to the neurotransmitters, because I just want to stress this to make a point that these drugs should be used in emergencies, in an ideal situation. Well, about the neurotransmitters in your brain, what they often affect are the dopamine, serotonin, especially in the case of depression, um, norepinephrine, those kinds of things. And these are always targeted by medication that we take for, let's say, um, anxiety or depression or what they call like psychotic diseases, mood, um, let's say conditions around mood, these stimulants, right? But they're also often prescribed for not just schizophrenia or bipolar or PTSD or those kinds of emergencies, but also just pains or fatigue or asthma and those kinds of things. So there's, they're definitely not being used in cases of emergency. And that's because, you know, doctors, I don't, they, for example, don't spend a lot of time on nutrition and the healing effects of nutrition in their studies. They have the best intentions and vice versa. Patients have a lot of trust in their physicians. So it's not so much the people who are missing the mark, in my opinion, but it's the institutions that actually serve the spirit of pharmacia. Well, I'm not going to go into the data of drug use and how it's increased over the years. We could, but you can Google that for yourself. Um, it's just important to keep in mind that the whole healthcare industry is run by drug companies. So there's a major conflict of interest there. And what they do in the first place is create mostly synthetic versions of things that are freely available in nature that you could grow in your garden yourself without the side effects. And what is very interesting to note when talking about data in the medical industry is that most of the money there is spent on people who are in the last six months of their lives. So that means that they're on palliative care, right? So it means that they are already dying. So palliative care is just to make their life as comfortable as possible in those last um, months, weeks, days of their life. And that is very important to have, to be able to create a situation for people where they don't have to be in extreme pain, where they can let's say, peacefully leave this life and this earth. That is extremely important. But we do need to keep in mind that they're already dying at this point, right? They're not healing. So what does it say about that whole institution, that whole industry, that most of the funds are actually going to the people that are already passing away instead of healing? And palliative drugs are great, absolutely great, because they relieve pain. But um, 
they don't cure anything, right? So what they can allow is for people to have some humanity and dignity while they're dying. But roughly, like, in short, you could actually conclude from that that the medical industry is mostly about um, catering to dying people instead of healing. And I think that that should be a wake-up call. On top of that... Millions of people die from using legal prescription drugs in the right way. So in the prescribed way. Again, drugs can be used positively or negatively, depending on the context. So if we just take drugs, drugs can be medical. They can be accepted. They can be prescribed, but they can also be illegal, right? But I think we should really let go of that distinction because drugs like oxycontin or tylenol they kill people all the time they're no joke those types of drugs and i have experienced firsthand how easily very harsh drugs are prescribed and now usually in only in the case of an emergency will i take a drug but usually not. But I'm always very surprised by how easily they are put forth as a solution. So with all due respect, we have to conclude that something is wrong when it comes to this whole industry, this whole institution that is actually run by Pharmakeia. And if you're asking yourself, well, why are we not aware of all of these things, even though when I was living in the U.S. a couple years ago, it's so, it's actually really disgusting how like every commercial is pretty much a commercial for medication, but yet we're not aware of all of these things. There is actually a really useful documentary that you can watch. It's called The Truth About Cancer. Of course, highly triggering, highly contested, etc. But it does go into the history of the medical industry and it kind of explains very clearly how in the early 20th century, a lot of more holistic and natural working doctors were put out of business and how many, many are still discredited today and even killed. And... Also keep in mind that a lot of very respected, some of the most highly respected surgeons and doctors in the world are getting out of medicine as well. So Dr. Gundry, he's quite active on social media as well. He was a heart surgeon. He was one of the highest paid, most respected heart surgeons in the world, and he would pretty much always get the cases of patients who were already, let's say, given up on. He would get the most difficult cases. Long story short, he had a patient who started adjusting their diet to cure their heart disease. And at first, this doctor didn't really have any faith or interest in this, but then he started to see the results in this patient. And then he started to try this with other patients. And then he just couldn't, in good faith, keep practicing medicine. So now he has quit and he has started this whole 
business pretty much around nutrition and how to use it to heal yourself, mainly with a focus on uh, lectins and the toxins in lectins, etc. That's someone that you can Google if you want to learn more about that. But there are so many people like him. You will feel for yourself when there is an emergency and what you need, but you need to start actually becoming aware of the choices that you make. And it's not about condemning anyone. It's really about balance and how we use any substance. Everything is lethal in the wrong dosage. And depending on how we use things, especially drugs, spirits can attach. And they can attach anywhere where we create openings. And drugs happen to be a very, very easy way of creating, opening these doorways. LSD, for example, great example, is something that was created by the Tavistock Institute to essentially create a mass opening for this to happen. Also something that you can research for yourself. And I often see clients whose experiences confirm this. Well, to conclude, healing is about finding what exactly is broken and fragmented and healing that. We are very, very complex beings, if not just physically, also emotionally, energetically, mentally. And we all have our own stories, our own unique bodies and our own trauma. And they all work together. Sometimes we're unaware of many of these factors and we only experience the trigger. We have to acknowledge that our bodies are too complex for even us to understand. So the best that you can attempt to do is feel into it yourself. I personally don't believe in trying to override the body's intelligence by very severe interventions, like in your bloodstream, for example. And when it comes to injecting things directly in your bloodstream, if only the allergies that are caused by this are a very good example of how your body's filtering process is so important. So when you take drugs or food, it goes into your gut first before it does anything in your body. And that process is crucial because it allows your body to filter what's coming in. When you are injecting things directly into your bloodstream, you are completely overriding this whole system, which creates problems in itself. I've talked about this more in my first episode on a jab. Just to put that out there, our bodies are extremely complex. And when we undermine the complexity of it, it just causes problems. And I do believe in extreme interventions, in emergencies, in mechanical issues, like a broken bone, for example. But the conclusion is that in an ideal world, we take a lot more control of our own bodies and our own health. And we take drugs only in the case of emergencies. When you live according to source and natural law and in service, you can actually feel source in your body. So the opposite of these types of attachments that cause addiction and cause a whole host of other problems. When you do the opposite, you actually feel God, the divine source, that intelligence in your body. 
So it works the opposite way as well. Really remember that. And that's something that you can start working towards if you don't already feel that. And lastly, I will leave you with this piece of data, which is that 95% of degenerate diseases are caused by diet. And diet, the way that you eat, the foods that you eat, it's not only the best cure, but it's also the best prevention because your body is completely able to heal itself, but you need to give it the right fuel, the right tools to heal itself. And when you do that consistently, your body will constantly be fixing itself and optimizing itself. So stay healthy. If you're not healthy, become healthy and stay healthy. And I think it's just really important to at least consider more holistic and natural approaches, depending on whatever issue you have. And knowledge is power, right? Have a beautiful day, everyone, and talk to you soon. Thank you.